Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here for the next two hours, taking you up until 4 p.m. Eastern. Our new time slot, in case you're just listening for the first time here in the afternoon, used to hearing me in the evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, no longer weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern live. And, of course, you can always check it out on demand anytime you want. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis. We got a lot to get to today. Coming up in 20 minutes, we'll talk to Chris Rose, ScoutDFS.com. Get you set for the night. In DFS, in the NBA, four games on the slate tonight. We already have some injury news with some players being ruled out. So, of course, that opens up some value. So, we'll touch upon all that as well. And we will have Vlad Sedler from Guru Elite at 3 p.m. Eastern. He was one of the participants in the FSTA draft out in Tampa Bay at the conference on Tuesday. So, we'll take a look at his team and talk to him about his strategy. He plays in a lot of high-stakes leagues for big money, so very good mind to get into. And at 3.20 p.m. Eastern, I'll be joined by Frank Stample. You hear him here on FNTSY. We'll talk some basketball with him with a lot going on right now and uh, some big injury news as well. So we'll see what it means for season-long leagues uh, in his opinion. Of course, you can find all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. We're getting you set to dominate in the fantasy baseball season with our ridiculous draft kit. You can go check the link and obviously adding content every single day. Sean Childs, one of the best high stakes players around. He is going through his team outlooks. He has already finished the AL East and the AL Central. If you want a free sample, check the Orioles and Red Sox preview out. uh, And then you're going to want to become a member because it's so in-depth and it's going to help you in your fantasy baseball prep, especially here in late January, as you get acclimated to some of the players that change teams and some of the stats and things you forgot about because you were so busy with your fantasy football team. So the latest team outlook up from Sean is the Houston Astros. So you can check that out. And if you use the promo code BATS50, you get 50% off your first two months. So take advantage of it now while it is still available. I am going through some of the players that have changed teams and what it means for their value. I've already done Yasiel Puig, Nelson Cruz. Uh, Charlie Martin is the latest one that has gone up. Michael Brantley, and I'll have more uh, in the coming days as well, in addition to sleepers, bust down the ro- road, preseason pro pick. So, uh, you know, last year, Trevor Bauer is one of the guys I was on. Blake Trina was my closer that I wanted to target so uh, we will uh, find those players for you this year so just continue to take a look on the fantasy baseball draft kit at scoutfantasysports.com of course we got you covered on the DFS side as well scoutdfs.com we got NBA NHL PGA and of course uh, NBA as well so uh, we got optimizers we have slack chat where you can ask your questions leading up to lineup lock 
So plenty of ways to help you out. And, of course, VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting needs and a lot of the Super Bowl props that I think are going to be released tonight. So we'll talk about some of them on the show tomorrow and throughout next week to help you get money. Uh, I think Vegas Whispers 2-1 and one last night. I know they did have uh, Vanderbilt get the points. They lost in overtime to Tennessee, but they covered. Um, there was a hockey under. I think it was the Montreal game. So, again, you can follow them on Twitter at Vegas Whispers, and you will see the plays documented usually at the end of each night. Uh, Again, it's a long process. There will be losses along the way. No one is perfect when it comes to sports betting. And if someone tells you are, they are lying. There are going to be losses. But if you stick with the process and win more than you lose, that is the goal. So plenty of ways that we can help you win and make money. But let's kick it off looking at uh, one of the top stories of the day. And that is A.J. Pollock. He has signed. He has found a new home. He will be going to the L.A. Dodgers. And it looks like it's a four-year, $55 million deal. There's escalators built in. There's an opt-out after the third year. Uh, there's a player option for the fifth year as well. So uh, I think people are mixed on A.J. Pollock. I think there's a contingent of players who like him a lot, who have drafted him, and perennially are disappointed because he has shown an inability not to stay healthy. I am in the pro A.J. Pollock camp. He is a player that winds up on my team quite a bit. You know, last year he was discounted. I think in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, I believe I got him in round five last year. So I was able to win my league with him, and that's a weak league. Now, he only played in 113 games. He had the groin injury last year. Of course, we've seen the fractured elbow. So the games played column is the biggest concern. Going back to 2013, 137, 75 in 2014, just 12 uh, I mean, 157 in 2015, just 12 in 2016, 112 in 2017, and 113 last year. So you know that. And it's already discounted into his draft price. I'm currently doing an NFBC draft champions right now. Uh, that one started, I believe, um, maybe a week ago. I think about a week ago, a little less than a week. And Pollock was the last pick around 8 in a 15-team league. I will take him there every time. Now, that was where he did not have a team yet. So I've seen that in these drafts. Outside of Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, who are elite, you're seeing some of the free agents that haven't signed their draft prices be down. So if you're looking at ADPs, even of the guys who signed recently, the Nelson Cruz, the Daniel Murphy, you kind of have to sort it over the last week or two to get a better indication because Cruz, Murphy were going so much later because people didn't know where they were going to play this year. And we know that hasn't impact on the value of a player so those guys have moved up since so again if you're going to sort kind of have to go over the last week uh but i think this will push pollock up a little bit now here's the thing uh some people will say oh it's terrible for his fantasy value going to the dodgers i think it's not that bad here there are pros and cons pollock last year actually performed better at home when the humidor came to Arizona. Dodger Stadium was actually one of the better parks for home runs last year. According to the ESPN MLB Park Factors, it was 11th in home runs. Arizona was further down. Where Dodger Stadium was low was run scored. They were, I think, 26th. So you have that. The lineup, I think, is, is better. I mean, I like this lineup. Now, Pollock is going to play center field. Uh, Bellinger is also going to play some center field, some right field, and some first base. So that could be the negative here, is the Dodgers have a lot of pieces here. They have a lot of depth, and we saw it last year. They were rotating guys in and out, and it hurt someone like Yasiel Puig, especially in a weekly league, because they're even as hot as he was in the second half. 
There were weeks where he only played three to four games. Do the Dodgers do that with A.J. Pollock because they know his injury history? My guess is no, but it's certainly possible that Pollock might get more days off in order to keep him fresh. When you have the ability to run out talented players, they can do that. Now, the way the team is stocked now, I think Pollock's going to play center field bat leadoff most of the time. So it might hurt his RBI total a little bit, but the runs will be good. He can still steal bases. He was still efficient last year. He didn't run as much in the second half last year. Maybe that was a a result of the groin. But still, when you look at the numbers over the course of the season, uh, over the the games he played, they were still very good. In 113 games, he batted 257, 61 runs, 21 homers, 65 ribbies, 13 steals. Now, it did seem like he sold out a little bit more and was more of a free swinger. His strikeout rate was the highest of his career. The walk rate was the lowest, uh, one of the lowest, as he tried to get more power. But I think the Dodgers looked at their lineup and said, you know, we need another right-handed bat. Got a lot of lefties in here. So uh, we've seen Pollock, uh, you know, still hit the ball hard and show more power. Uh, I just think that the key is, you know, what do they do with the rest of this team? We've been hearing rumors about Jock Peterson potentially being dealt. Uh, He's obviously going to be in the outfield for now. Uh, And they just can move a lot of guys around. You know, Max Muncy could play a bunch of different positions. He's probably the first baseman. Uh, Justin Turner at third, we've seen him not stay healthy. So there's a lot of moving parts here. Uh, They have Alex Verdugo, who probably will come off the bench based on the way this team is built right now. But there could still be more moves to be made. So I I still like Pollock. I will still draft him if the price is cheap enough because this guy is someone that can be a top three round three player if he stays healthy. And I know it's a big if. And a lot of people are going to say, well, just look at all the games played. He just can't stay healthy. Uh, you know, he could still play 140 games. Why not? We've seen players for years miss a ton of games and all of a sudden have that healthy year. Would you bet on it? No. But the price is depressed. This is a guy that we used to see go in the first couple rounds. As I mentioned last year, I got him in round five of a league. I think I had him in a couple leagues. And in the FSTA draft, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, he went in round seven of a 14-team league. So I'll take him in that spot. I'm fine with him in round seven because there is the potential for 20 homers, 15 stolen bases. And we know those guys are very difficult to come by right now. So I think you'll have some people who are going to say, I'm staying away. I don't want to pay the price. He's always hurt. And I understand that. But that's also where you could potentially make a profit. And even if he does miss time like he did last year, you can make it up and fill in. Again, it also depends on the depth of your league. But 7th, 8th round, 14, 15-team league, uh, I, I will still get him because that's potentially your third outfielder. And outfield, as I've talked about many times, is not as deep as people think, especially when you're in a 14, 15-team league. You have to start five outfielders. You might even have one at the utility. It thins up quicker. And I think people make that mistake sometimes. And for many years... Uh, I've had successful teams where I started a draft with three straight outfields. This is not the plan. Probably not something I'm going to do now. I'm more apt to take at least one starting pitcher in the first three rounds with the way the game has changed. It's something I kind of shifted to last year. In the past, I think you had the ability to wait six, seven rounds before you go in and start attacking pitching. I think it's a little bit more difficult to do now, especially with these guys getting pushed up the draft board. You know, I did have a draft last year where... The pitchers really were pushed up, and I didn't want to overpay. And I took bats with the first five picks. And 
I did not win the league, finished third, like two points out of first, and Luis Castillo was the first pitch I took in round six, and it hurt, but I was able to get a guy like Trevor Bauer. Wait, did I get Bauer in that league? I think I did. Like, I know I had, like, a couple good ones late. Charlie Morton uh, might have been Bauer, but there was a couple of good ones I got late, and that's the key. Now we got to figure out, okay, where are those guys this year that we can get late? But uh, it's just sometimes if everyone's pushing up the price, I'll go in a different direction. But ideally, if I feel that the pitcher is worth it there and that they're around, I'll take them. So overall for Pollock, uh, you know, he knows the division. That helps. He gets to – he doesn't have to face this good Dodger staff anymore. So overall, I like it. The biggest concern that I have is do they rest him a couple times a week in order to keep him healthy? Because they, they have that ability. So um, that's the one thing is if – he is, you know, sitting two, three times a week. You know, obviously that all, or hurt his fantasy value. Maybe he keeps him healthy, but obviously we want someone out there playing every day. But this is a good lineup, and again, the ballpark is not that bad for home runs. At least it was last year. So uh, overall, especially at his price right now, seventh, eighth round, I think he probably will move up. But uh, definitely interested in Pollock uh, based on the current ADP. I think even uh, NFBC was like around 120, and that's going to go up. Uh, we're going to see what all these guys who are in the middle to later rounds who haven't signed with a team, people are unsure, they don't know where the park is, the team context. So you're going to see those guys start to move up. So that's why, again, if you're sorting by ADP, you got to do it basically over the last week and, you know, give it a few days for, especially for a Pollock, and then kind of wait, you know, four or five days and then sort over the last week and see where the ADP is. That'll give you a better idea of where people are taking him. Right now, it's just misleading because he hasn't had a team. And people are just hesitant to jump in on a player where they don't know the team context and the environment. A big story in the NBA from today. Uh, we have found out officially that Victor Oladipo is out for the season. Uh, it is terrible what happened last night. We knew immediately that it was serious. He's got a ruptured quad tendon in his right knee. He's going to need surgery, and it's going to end his season. So, uh, you know, he should be able to get back on the court for next year. Probably needs about six months or so to recover. Uh, they haven't announced the date for surgery yet, but he'll be out for the year. So he is someone that you can drop. And the biggest boost to me is probably Tyreek Evans as terms of a guy who's available on the waiver wire. Uh, he wasn't available in my 14 team league, but he should be out there. We did see him earlier in the year. Depot missed about 10, 11 games and Tyreek really struggled, but the minutes are there and they've already said he's going to go into the starting lineup uh, if Darren Collison is out there, and I don't think he is in most leagues, but obviously he is someone that gets a benefit. So several guys on the team who are ready, Bogdanovich, will get a little bit of a boost. I think at deep relief, you could see Corey Joseph. I don't expect a major uptick, but I did pick him up in a 14-team head-to-head league this morning just because it's a deep league. There's not much. You know, he'll play a little bit more shooting guard with the second unit, so maybe he'll see an uptick in uh, shooting. Uh, another story from yesterday, too, and this is why you have to be careful with DFS and what we tell you early in the day. You know, we had Chris Rose on yesterday, and we talked about Enos Cantor. We thought he was going to start. Enos Cantor was told by Fisdale he was going to start. When the starting lineup was revealed and Cantor wasn't in it, that's when I pulled him out of my DFS lineup. I did four tournament lineups on Yahoo. I had Cantor in one. We told you there was a lot of uh, good options at center yesterday. Took Cantor out. So that's why you got to pay attention to the last minute. And especially on a team like the Knicks, who are not playing for anything, 
Uh, they're obviously rebuilding, and they want to get a high draft pick as possible. You know, Kenner's at risk, and we've already seen it. So the warning signs were there. Yes, if he's in the starting lineup. And even we said, even if he started lineup, he might not play more than 25 minutes. He didn't even get off the bench. He didn't play at all. He's voiced his frustration. So you have to be very careful, and that's why you have to pay attention to the news last minute. And that's where we come in at Scout DFS. You can ask the questions in the Slack chat. You can go to the optimizer. Obviously, the optimizer adjusts immediately once these uh, announcements are made. So a lot of people played Cantor yesterday. If you were in an early site like FanDuel, you might have gotten screwed because of the lineup lock. But if you're on late swap, Yahoo, DraftKings, you've got to pay attention. And it was tough yesterday. You had the Andre Drummond news, which came late. We were waiting on Joel Embiid. So there are nights it's going to be tough, but you just got to stick with it, especially on the sites with late swap. And that's why sometimes, if you can, you leave some of the players out of the early games and then it allows you the flexibility to make those changes. So, again, just remember, we give you a blueprint here, but so much changes during the day, and we'll keep you updated uh, all evening on ScoutDFS.com. Speaking of that, Chris Rose, ScoutDFS.com. He's going to join me next. We'll take a look at the slate tonight in the NBA four games for DFS. We'll break it down with Chris next. You're listening to Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Gorgie Jang and Devin Booker last night, like there's a weird sort of elbow, then a weird sort of slap push eh, kind of thing by Devin Booker. Gorgie Jang was upset. Gorgie Jang says, why don't you come meet me in the alley, basically, like underneath in the tunnel. We'll fight. But then he won. He won everything by saying, nah, I was just saying, let's do a jersey swap. I don't know. Weekdays, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called... The IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, tax doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern as we get you set here for the night in NBA DFS. Tip-off time a little bit later today. Four games late, 8 p.m. Eastern is the first game. And joining me now to break it down, it is Chris Rose, ScoutDFS.com. And if you 
Head on over there right now, and you want to join and sign up for the NBA DFS package. If you use the promo code HOOPS50, you get 50% off your first month. That includes the optimizer, which has been on fire. Chris, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, man? Pretty good. So how did it go last night? We know two nights ago you came really close to taking down a qualifier on FanDuel, finishing second and sixth as Devin Booker getting ejected cost you. How did you fare last night? Yeah, we were we were close last night again. We had, uh, you know, I had uh, Donovan Mitchell going nuts, and then I had Jokic in the same line. But I kind of shied away from Kenneth Fareed, who was the chalk play there at the power forward position. I played Bobby Portis, and um, I played P.J. Tucker, who kind of didn't do anything, and, and Noah Vonley. So it kind of hurt me there at the, the power forward position. Uh, and then uh, Darren Collison, who was in my write-up, we got him at 2%, um, which was a great play especially with Oladipo going down, which is unfortunate. But, you know, we had a, a decent night. Didn't really bring it down, but yeah, we'll try again tonight. Yeah, I, w- I would think, uh, at least uh, where I was seeing, Jokic and Mitchell were not highly owned. Did you did you get them at good uh, low ownership? Yeah, they were extremely low ownership. And then once uh, the ejections came late in that game, uh, Mitchell kind of even went bonkers even more. So, you know, it was a nice spot for them. And, and Murray was uh, – I had Murray – ranked pretty high but yeah, i don't know what's going on with him he's so inconsistent yeah and they're getting healthy now too you know i was actually uh you know gonna look at will barton but the minutes limit was still i thought in there and he actually had a good game and played some minutes uh because his price on yahoo right now was cheap it was 13 bucks and then i was like oh there's too many guys there and the minutes limit uh but with a guy like fareed what what were you thinking there were you like he's going to be too chalky he's going to be high on because uh, we knew he was announced into the starting lineup with nene resting uh in a great matchup against the knicks so was that just a, a pivot off a of high ownership trying to differentiate yourself yeah i just didn't think that he was going to do too much in the second game with houston uh, but i think what kind of hurt uh well actually helped him uh and hurt a lot of guys is Cantor not playing, you know, that's just a weird situation with Fisdale. I don't know what he's doing. He's one of your best post players, and I just don't know what's going on with the Knicks. I think they just need to trade him, give him a shot to play somewhere else. Yeah, and I mentioned that because we discussed Cantor yesterday. We said we didn't know if he would start, but he should get 25 minutes. Once he was not in the starting lineup, I took him out. I had him in one lineup, and I was like, you know what? If they're not starting him, and they told him earlier in the day, and this is where you really have to pay attention to every last-minute news. And now you know this, too. If you got burned yesterday and played Cantor, I did see in one tournament on DK, he was 27% on, which is pretty high. I think you got to be really careful right now, especially with some of these bad teams. And we're really going to start to see that change here, especially as we get into February, right? Yeah, I agree. Once you saw Lance Thomas, who's not a very good player in the starting lineup, you knew it was going to go downhill for uh, any Cantor owners there. So uh, it's unfortunate I had him maybe in one or two lineups. and um, But, you know, I'm glad I didn't really go all in on Cantor like I wanted to do earlier in the day. No, it made sense. If you knew he was going to start against Houston, and we've seen them have trouble against centers, uh, even with Fareed there now. That's not uh, something you worry about. But, uh, you know, sometimes you have to learn these lessons. But uh, once I saw he was not starting, I said, that's not a good sign. I'm going to pull him out. So just that's why you have to pay attention through news throughout the day. And, again, we'll keep you posted uh, at scoutdfs.com with the Slack chat. Let's take a look at the slate for tonight. First game, Golden State at Washington. The spread is 10. Warriors favored by 10. Over-under is 235. Uh, 
do you think this game could remain close? And again, the problem with Golden State is, you know, who is the guy that's going to go off? We saw Clay have a big game last time, uh, and these guys are are pretty expensive as well. So, uh, who do you like on Golden State tonight? Yeah, this is this is the game where you get the Kevin Durant narrative. I think this is the home narrative um, for Kevin Durant. So he's been okay. He hasn't really put up that great numbers as far as fantasy purposes. Uh, but he's actually priced down a little bit at 9,500 on Fanduel. And you got Steph is 98. If I'm going to play anybody, it's going to be Clay. He seems locked in right now. Um, you know, he's taken 18 to 20 shots. He's has gone over 20 shots. Uh, recently, so if I'm going to play anybody, it's going to be Clay, or I might go down to Cousins, who's still relatively cheap uh, in this 6400 on Fanduel. I think he's 5800 on DK, so still a good spot for Cousins. Uh, Thomas Bryant is going to slow him down at all. Yeah, and we did see Cousins play more minutes last time. He has had some fouls, but this should be a spot, especially at his price, where he can thrive, and uh, definitely looks like a good spot for him tonight. Uh, on the Wizards side, uh, you know, Bradley Beal's price, uh, 89 on DK, 9900 on FanDuel. Didn't have a great cape la- uh, last time out. Is he too expensive for you on FanDuel for this slate tonight? Yeah, I think so. I'm not going to touch him at 9900 That's just way too expensive. If I'm going to pay 9900 for anybody or anybody in that price range, I'm going to go up to – I'm going to go down to Nurkic um, or go up to Towns. I'm not playing Beal. He's so hit or miss sometimes. He's another one of those inconsistent guys. Uh, and I think this is, this game is just going to blow up early. Um, I don't think they have anybody on the Washington side that can actually put up numbers or can put up the scoring that um, Golden State is going to do tonight. Is there anyone on Washington you would consider? Maybe a Trevor Ariza, Otto Porter, uh, or you're just worried about the blowout coming real quick? I'm just worried about the blowout. Um, you know, if anybody, uh, Ariza's priced up, Porter's priced up. Um, I just don't see anybody that I really like in this spot. Next game is the Pelicans at the Thunder. We've got a ton of injury news for the Pelicans. As we know, Anthony Davis remains out. Uh, Etwan Moore ruled out because of rest. Nikola Miritich hurt his calf last night, left early. He has already been ruled out as well. Uh, it's a back-to-back here for the Pelicans. The spread is 12. The Vegas total is 233. What are we doing with the Pelicans tonight? I think you play Drew Holiday. I think you play Darius Miller. I think you play um, Julius Randle. I still like all these guys. Uh, Okafor has a little bit of tougher matchup against Steven Adams. I'm surprised what he did last night. Uh, but granted that Drummond was out, so he's had back-to-back two pretty good games. Uh, I'm really not on Okafor tonight, uh, but I do like Randall a lot. I do like, um, as far on DK, who's min price, I do like Darius Miller, who should see 25 to 30 minutes. Um, if he gets you 21, 24 fantasy points, I think you're good there. Um, but yeah, I do like Drew, Drew Holiday a lot tonight. I do like um, I do like Julius Randle. You got to remember when when all these guys were out earlier in the year. Julie, uh, Drew Holiday actually his usage was just insane. So he could put up big numbers. He has the upside to kind of match anybody if anybody goes off for Golden State. Yeah, I've been using Holiday. Used him quite a bit yesterday. Uh, what is going on with Alfred Payton? I, I keep waiting for this game, and it's just not happening for him. His salary is still pretty cheap, but. Uh, is there any chance that Peyton finally has a good game tonight? 
it's possible, but he's playing a ton of minutes, and he's like a half a point per minute, which is just ridiculous. Um, I'm not on him. I'm I'm really never on Elf often. Um, but if you want to save some salary at 5700 on FanDuel, uh, I, I get it. But if I'm at that same price range, I do like Rondo, who um, should play tonight. You mentioned Okafor, and I could see you know better options at center on FanDuel where you could use one, but on DK where you could use two. He's 4900 He is going to get big minutes. You did mention the matchup against Steven Adams could be tough, and you know he took advantage last night with no drummer. Would you consider him on DK still because of uh, all of the um, uh, minutes he's playing? Yeah, if he gets 32 minutes, he should go 35 to 40 fantasy points. So I'm, I'm just fine with him on FanDuel. I'm sorry, on, on DK when you can play. You know, the two centers, uh, if I'm going to play him, I'm going to play him with Nurkic. I think Nurkic is in a great spot. Uh, if you want to talk about the center position. But, uh, yeah, I'm fine with it on DK. FanDuel, I don't think I'm going to play him, though. Yeah, and uh, six blocks last night. I did not play him. And uh hurt a little bit, but, hey, um, you know, as long as you had Harden, you were in the mix for sure. Uh, let's look at the Thunder right now. And uh, Russell Westbrook's uh, playing very well lately. I think a lot of people will probably pay up for him tonight. He is more expensive on FanDuel at 12-2, 10-7 on DK. Are you on Westbrook tonight? Uh, we're going back, what was that, two, night, two days ago, when we said that Paul George has the better chance of getting 6X at 10K. So right, he went yes. for 66.6 fantasy points. We nailed that right on the head. Um, granted, Westbrook did have a great game as well, um, but we saved money and got the same production. And and um, you know it's the same thing again with Paul George. My only my only question is is how close New Orleans can keep this. Um, but you, you know Paul George plays a ton of minutes, and and I think this is another good spot for him. Ten eight. You know if he, he gets fifty three fifty eight fantasy points, I think you're in a great spot. Talking to Chris Rose Scout DFS, and now we're, we've already all right. The first two games we're talking about potential blowout risk. How much can we look at that tonight when we only have four games? Um, do we have to maybe overlook that a little bit because of it's only two games? I mean, four games late? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. You know, games like this, um, and actually uh, Jeff Teague has actually just been ruled out. So Of course, um, he can't even run. <laughs> yeah, I think that, yeah, yep. So, you know, there's, there's a Derrick Rose chalk again. But, um, yeah, I think that this is, this is the kind of slate where you have to – Pick your poison and and games that could potentially blow out. I think you have to look beyond that and play guys that, you know, if it was a full eight game slate, just to play the guys that you think are going to, you know, have the best matchup. Anyone else on the Thunder that you're considering tonight? Uh, I do like Jerry and Grant a little bit. Um, Jeremy Grant, uh, he's he's priced down. He was sixty four hundred last game. He's down a little bit. This is a good matchup for him. Um, so. If he gets you 33 minutes, I think you're in a good spot with 35 fantasy points. Yeah, I, I like Grant, too. Um, I don't know if I'm going to use him tonight, but there have been times I look at him, and it seems like he gets a little bit of a lower ownership at times as well. So uh, definitely can consider mm -hmm. him. I think he's in play as well. Uh, we got the Timberwolves and Lakers, and uh, you mentioned uh, the Jeff Teague news that he's out. I'm not surprised by that at all. He said the other day he couldn't run. Uh, Derek Rose disappointed the other night. I was so insistent on playing him, and uh, if I would have played someone else, I could have really hit uh, a bigger number. But uh, he's 65 on DK, 6,600 on Fandle. We know he didn't play as much because of the blowout, and he has played well this year. Uh, are you going to consider him tonight? 
Yeah, this is a good matchup. You got the Rondo defense. I'm hoping that Rondo plays just based on uh, having Derrick Rose and his usage. Um, so I do like him. My only question is where the field is going to go. Are they going to pay up with Lillard now that he's playing? Are they going to pay for Curry? So in the mid-range with the guys on FanDuel at, with Derrick Rose and Rondo at 65 and 6,600, I think that's kind of where um, I'm going to land, uh, maybe a little bit lower. Um, especially your value guy would probably be Jared Bayless with uh, the minutes he's playing now. But, yes, I, I do like Rose. I do like um, the spot for him. So Bayless, what I was going to ask you about him, I almost played him the other night, and I didn't. He actually had a pretty good game. I know he had some of the blowout uh, late in the game, but he's obviously very cheap. And with uh, Jones out still and Teague out, you know, he's going to play some backup point guard minutes. Uh, is he someone that you would uh, consider tonight? Yeah, 4K on Fando, I think that he could be your throwaway, if you will. Uh, if you play Bayless and if you run Darius Miller, you could pretty much stack your lineup. So if you have two of those guys and hopefully one of them goes for 5 or 6X, man, you're in a great spot. 4K and, and Darius Miller at, what, 3500 maybe? I don't even know his price range right at this moment. Yeah, 3500 So that's two guys right there. You're paying 7500 for two guys that you could get 5, 6X tonight. Sounds like, uh, and I understand why, I, I like him a lot too. Nurkic is your guy at center tonight. Uh, is it uh, comparing him to Towns, is it just the, the big difference in salary and the matchup that he has? He's just been on fire the last week. Um, this is just a good spot where Aiton's out again. You have Bender playing the center position, who Nurkic should eat alive. If Nurkic doesn't get 18 rebounds tonight, I'm going to be surprised. I think he could go... 18 to 23 rebounds. He could, I even think he can match that game against Sacramento. That's that good of a spot right now. Um, but, you know, Lillard's back. Um, he's definitely playing tonight. So that kind of takes me down a little bit on Nurkic, but uh, I still have him as my number one center. Uh, for the Suns, what are we doing? Rashawn Holmes has been ruled out. DeAndre Ayton ruled out. TJ Warren is out. We've seen Bender have a couple of good games, and the minutes should be there. So, Where's the value on the Suns that we're looking at tonight? Yeah, it's Bender and Jackson um, all day. I, if you could play those guys together. You also have TJ Warren who's out, so Kelly Oubre um, could be a, a pretty popular guy. But he's been relatively productive over the past week and a half. So uh, those three guys, Oubre's down a little bit at 6K. You got uh, Bender at 4,600. And then you also have um, Jackson, who's up there at 5,300. Uh, how much uh, is Lillard going to be a priority for you tonight? Um, I'm probably going to have him in 70% of my lineups. And I think at low ownership, too. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, you could see that. Yeah, you got Westbrook, you got Curry, um, Rose. So, yeah, it's possible. Uh, what about Josh Okogie for uh, Minnesota? He played well the other night uh, going up against the Lakers, 4,400 on DK, 4,800 on FanDuel. Can he continue his play from a recent game? If I'm going to play a shooting guard, it's going to be Wiggins in this spot. I think he has the better matchup. Um, Going Wiggins against. sucks every time out. I played him be. the other night. I, I can't. I, he I, does. I don't, I don't play him a lot, but sell me on him. He does, but a Koji is is not not that much better. Um, 
Yeah, I just like Wiggins. I think the Minnesota has the number one matchup at the shooting guard position tonight against the Lakers. So, granted, it's eight teams, but they do have the number one matchup. He's been okay. He's he's gone for twenty five or more fantasy points at sixty three hundred. That's you know he could get you thirty five in this matchup, a little paced up. He has he did go for thirty eight on earlier in in January, uh, twenty eight points, five rebounds. You could see that production again. They're going to need him to score. Um, so I think you could see him if. If Rose doesn't have all the usage that he um, that he kind of lost last game, you could see Wiggins go and scoring in this game. Uh, real quick before we let you go, didn't hear any Lakers, any love for some of the Lakers tonight going up against the T-Wolves? Yeah, Rondo. If he plays, I'm going to play Rondo. 6,500, he should not have any type of uh, minute limit because it, it was just a hand injury, not a lower body injury. So I like Rondo there. I do like um, Caldwell Pope, who should see 30 minutes tonight. And then um, I think this is a good spot for Kuzma. He's priced down a little bit. He had a bad game last game. Uh, he had three turnovers, 16 points. But this is a spot where you could see him go 45 points in uh, uh, fantasy purposes. Yeah, he certainly has that ability, and that's why he's a good tournament play. That is Chris Rose. You can find him, scoutdfs.com, and usually near the top of the qualifiers. So we'll wait until hopefully he takes one down soon. Chris, thanks for the time, and good luck tonight. Thank you, man. You guys have a good day. All right. Again, Chris Rose, find him scoutdfs.com. If you use the promo code HOOPS50, you get 50% off your first month of NBA DFS. That includes the optimizer at scoutdfs.com. When we return, we'll talk some fantasy baseball, taking a look at the FSTA draft from Tuesday. That is ahead right here. Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, Nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS. WeatherTech.com, proudly made in America. The morning after. The Oladipo injury voice. I don't know bed. what's worse. You're back taking originally on the Nets, or now that you're backing out because you're scared. Nets fans across the city are already on you. I don't care. Now they're going to say, now he's scared and he's backing I'm not, out. No, I'm not. They're I'm scared because they keep winning. The they won again. The team is currently in fifth in the Eastern Conference, just lost their best player. That's I sports. would not have made that bet yesterday knowing that Oladipo was going to be out. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs.
You're listening to Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check out all my work, ScoutFantasySports.com. We're getting you set to dominate in the fantasy baseball season. In-depth team profiles from Sean Childs. He's covered the AL East, the AL Central. He's now in the AL West. Houston Nationals' latest one up. I have a look at Charlie Morton and now his fantasy value with the Rays. Morton was a pitcher that really didn't have much significance in fantasy for a long time. In the last two years with the Astros, he's been one of the top ones, including one of 18 pitchers last season to reach 200 strikeouts. Can he continue his success in his new home in Tampa Bay? Find out. Check out my article on ScoutFantasySports.com. And again, if you use the promo code BATS50, you get 50% off your first two months. The DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back for 2019 with all new premium fantasy golf and betting tools. Check out the all-new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, ownership projections, PGA finish probabilities and simulator, outright and top 20 market betting tools, head-to-head and three-ball betting tools, PGA Pro Tip subscriber chat, and more. Go to DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, Choose golf and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's dailyroto.com. Click on Go Premium. Click on Golf and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. Talking some uh, baseball right now. And don't forget, coming up at the top of the hour, 3 p.m. Eastern, I'll be joined by Vlad Sedler from Fantasy Guru. He took part in the FSTA Fantasy Baseball Draft, partnering with Charlie Weeger as part of the CDM Sports Team. They have the seventh pick in that draft, so we'll... Talk about that pick with him, the strategy, and thinking that went into them. Vlad, very good as well in the high-stakes leagues, playing in some very high-dollar leagues. So always good to talk baseball with him. And we will have Frank Stanfield from FNTSY. You hear him on this station frequently. He's going to talk some hoops with me coming up at 3.20 p.m. Eastern time. But wanted to take a look at a couple things that stood out here in this FSTA Fantasy Baseball Draft from Tuesday. And one thing that I noticed is teams overpaying for closers once again. And there's a difference between taking a closer early in a draft champions league. And for those that are not familiar, a draft champions league is a league where you draft and that is it for the season. So we see a lot of these in the NFBC and on fan track. So uh, I'm going to cut my second one now on the NFBC, 15 teams. 50 rounds. So you draft your team, and that's it. There are no waiver wire moves, no trades. You just set your lineup each week. So in that format, I feel a little bit more pressure to get at least one closer. And, of course, I'm going to have to speculate on a bunch of relievers and setup men that could potentially close at the end of the year. Now, in this draft here for the FSTA, where it's 14 teams, there are waiver wire moves every week. There are trades. We are in January. We don't even know who's going to close for numerous teams. I don't see the need to reach on these closers now. And I've employed this same strategy in Tout Wars, uh, which is a 15-team league. And the draft takes place in March. I'm going to try and get one closer that I feel is stable in the first anywhere from 8 to 12 rounds. Again, there's no specific blueprint. I've always said this throughout any sport that you do. When you're drafting, you have to be flexible because things are going to be thrown your way that you don't expect. You can sit there and have this perfect plan. I'm going to do this in this round and take this guy. And then all of a sudden, 
a bunch of starting pitchers go off the board way quicker than you think. Now you got to adjust on the fly. And a lot of times you only have a minute on the clock. So you always have to have a plan B, C, D, and E. And that's part of having a successful draft. So I'll have an idea of what I want to do and who I want to get and adjust accordingly. But I want to try and get at least one closer that I know is pretty stable because at least this will put me in a position to be middle of the pack. Then I'm going to see if I can get maybe someone a little bit lower later on where I'm not paying as much, you know, around 14, 15, 16, where it's not going to crush me. I don't want to take these guys the closes early that are going to be fourth, fifth, sixth round picks. We have seen it year to year. The volatility at the position is mind-blowing. You can go back and look at the top closers taken last year. Where'd they finish? Not near the top. So every year, it changes. There are going to be people who argue, well, just get your saves off the way for it. Yeah, well, it depends on how many teams are in your league and the competitive nature of it. Because other teams are doing that too. And you're going to have to overpay. And we see it year after year, especially early in the year, in the free agency period, week one, week two, week three. We'll see some changes at the closer position, a pitcher struggling, and someone's going to go out and pay two, three, four hundred bucks. And a lot of times, that closer doesn't keep the job. So there is that risk that you play there. But I was just stunned at how many people took these closers so early and invested a lot of draft capital in them. Just not something I'm going to do. Now, it wasn't as bad as years past because we didn't see a closer go in the first four rounds. In fact, the first closer went in round five. That's Edwin Diaz, who goes to the Mets. And I think a lot of people are going to have him ranked as the top closer off the board. Well, we all know he's not going to duplicate what he did last year. He just had an enormous amount of save opportunities. He's got some of the best stuff. He clearly can be the number one closer. But you're paying for what he did last year where he had a six season, 1.96 ERA. He had a strikeout percentage of 44.3%. It was 32% the year before. The biggest change for him was finally the walks were down. He was at 11.5% and two years ago, 6.1% last year. He had a 0.79 whip. Elite stuff, no question about it. Throws 97, has the slider at 89, gets a tons of swings and misses. Now, he is going to the Mets. There is more pressure in New York. What happens if, you know, game one, he blows a save and he gets booed off the mound? How does he handle that? We don't know. Uh, it does take a different ability to pitch in New York. I think we saw that with Sonny Gray. And I'm going to write that up uh, looking at Sonny Gray. And, you know, can the change help him? So I'm not saying Diaz is going to be a bust, but we're going to pay fifth-round pick for him? I'm not. I mean, what are the chances that he finishes number one at closer? Probably not good. I mean, the repeat on that. So I understand it. The skill set is there, but I'm just not going to pay for it. Uh, there's no way he, you know, I don't think anyone's projected that many saves anyway. He had 57 last year. He had 34 the year before. So I, I'd look more at 35. So to me, it's not a, a fifth round pick. And I think you have to understand. And I think this happens with a variety of positions. People panic. They feel like, oh, I need some saves. I got to get them. Trust me, I've had success. And I'll never pay for a close that early. I'll just never do it. I think there might have been one year. Maybe it was two years ago. I think it was like the six, seven turn. And Kenley Jansen was there. And I took him. I mean, at that point, it's like, all right. You're going to let 
No one's going to take saves. And that's where you have to be flexible and adjust. You could have this philosophy, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Well, at that point for me, it was too much value to pass up. So I think I took him round seven, which, again, is really not going to happen in most leagues, uh, seeing closers last that long. We did see later in that round, a few picks later, Blake Trinan go. And Vlad Sedler was, took, took him, so we'll talk to him about that. I love Blake Trinan. Anyone who read, listened to me last year, knows that was the guy I wanted. Uh, he was cheap for the most part. Uh, in the NFBC auction, I was actually surprised. I think he went up to 13, 14, and there was just a, a closer run where everyone was going at that range. So I backed out. But I did get Trinan in a ton of leagues, got him in Tout Wars, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Couldn't get him in my home league, though, because everyone, not everyone, but whoever was in that league and listened to me or wrote or seen my drafts, they knew I liked them. And since people know what I do, and they've seen the success I have in that league. They bid up players that I like. And I, I will let you take it. I remember one year, my friend, I, every year in our auction, I used to always get Mark Teixeira. I was a big fan of him. And obviously, people in the league knew it. So my friend just kept bidding me up. I'd be like, 32. He'd go 33. I'd go 30. And he just kept going up and up, thinking I'm not going to stop. Everyone has a price limit. And that's the key to a successful auction. You kind of have to have an idea in your budget you have a range. Maybe you go over a dollar or two. Some people don't like to do that. They're strict with their values. I don't mind. I'll go over a buck or two if I really feel confidence in that player. But he kept going higher and higher. And I was kind of saying, all right, I'm going to play this game. And I'm going to let him get stuck with him. And I stopped. He got stuck with him. And I believe that year Tashera got injured and missed some games. So there's a karma aspect to that. And you'll see that. Uh, I think sometimes people in auctions, if they see a player has had a lot of success, Sometimes I'll just bid up that player and keep going a dollar higher. But you got to be careful of that. But I love Trinan. I just don't see myself owning him this year because the price tag is so high. The reason why I liked Trinan last year was it clearly wasn't working with Washington. He had good skills, but it just wasn't working out. He was given an opportunity to close early in the year. His second half with the A's in 2017 was ridiculous. And I was just watching the movement on his pitches. They were just sick. So I said, okay, he has the job. He's got a good skill set where he induces a ton of ground balls. There's going to be no pressure in Oakland, and he's cheap. That's the guy I want to take a chance on. And it could have easily backfired. I mean, there's other times you take chances on closers that you think are going to work out, and they don't get the job, or they get an opportunity, and they stink. But Trident excelled in a major way last year. So I do believe in him. I believe in the skill set. He only allowed two home runs in 80 in a third inning. I mean, that is just sick for a closer. He got 100 strikeouts in 80 and a third innings. So dominant numbers last year. So, again, not a guy that will probably repeat the same numbers because his year was so off the charts. 0.78 ERA. Think about that. A 0.78 ERA over 80 and a third innings with the strikeouts he gave you, the lack of home runs, and the whip was 0.83. So he's just got nasty stuff, excellent movement on his pitches, and I watched him a lot. You know, I was watch, watching a lot of West Coast baseball. And at, whenever Trinan came in, not, not only because I had him on my fantasy team, but I liked watching him pitch. I would watch him. So I love him. I would like to get him. I'm not taking him in the fifth round this year. Just can't do it. And I think in the auction, too, he'll be too pricey. Then you started to see uh, some other closers go. 
Uh, a little bit later on, you saw the run in round seven. Felipe Vasquez, our oldest Chapman, uh, Craig Kimbrell, who doesn't have a team right now. But there were teams who like took two, three closes early on, and I just don't think you need to do that in this format uh, where you have the waiver wire and you have the ability to pick up guys off the waiver wire. I mean, it was a team here that took Kenley Jansen and Wade Davis in back-to-back rounds, and you know, Wade Davis has to have some concern for sure. I mean, he wasn't great towards last year at the end. Colorado, just think you're kind of overpaying for saves. And I'm just of the mindset, I'll get one in the first 10 rounds. And, I, and now, too, when you're looking at the guys who are left, like, they're not very reliable. Now, in round 11, Ken Giles went. I, I like Ken Giles. Last year, I hated Ken Giles. You know why? The team hated him. It was clear Houston didn't have confidence in him. With the way they utilized him in the World Series, to me, he had a short leash. Giles was someone I didn't want any part of last year. Because, again, there's a mental aspect to it. The team didn't show confidence in him. And it's not like he was bad for the Astros, but there was a couple spots where he blew the game. He got fortunate earlier in the year. I remember Byron Buxton hit a ball that just went foul. You could see that it wasn't going to work there in Houston. Now, though, with Toronto, there's no pressure, and he has good stuff. I mean, you look at the numbers for Giles. Doesn't walk many guys. uh, Doesn't allow many home runs. And there's no pressure on him in Toronto now. So I like him, especially with the price. Like, I have no problem waiting and getting him as my first closer. Is there some risk? Sure. But there's also the ability for him to, to be a top five, top seven closer. He's got the stuff, and now... There's, there's not as much pressure. Yeah, it's a little bit, you know, you got the Yankees, Red Sox in there. But we want the opportunity. So I, I like the price on him right now, seeing him go here in round 11. But I just don't want people to overpay for closers. Obviously, it is a stat for sure that we need to be cognizant of. But similar to what I discussed with stolen bases, we don't need to win every category. And when you take a closer, for the most part, you're really getting one category. We can look at a guy like Trinan, 80 innings, 100 Ks. Yeah, that's great. The ERA and whip. So, yeah, they can help there. But primarily, you're spending the pick for the saves. And it's still ultimately one category unless you get, you know, the Josh Hader type. And Hader might not get all the saves, but his ratios are so good. We saw him go in round 11. But I saw too many teams here take two closers in the first 10 rounds. And that, I think, is a strategy that will not work. Now, you might it might work out where... They both get 35-plus saves. But with all the volatility that we've seen across the position over the last several seasons, I don't think it is the best investment. And we know that saves are going to come on the waiver wire. And I think what you do, too, now is, especially in a draft like this, which is 29 rounds, I'll take two to three setup men late in the draft that I think are going to become closers. Remember, we're in January. Things are still going to happen. Uh, there'll be some guys closing that we didn't expect. You know, we just saw the other day St. Louis said they're not sure what they're going to do between Andrew Miller and Jordan Hicks. So that's going to depress the price on those guys. You could take one of them later on. And maybe you take two or three setup men. Maybe neither of them close. It's possible. But I'm more willing to take a chance on those guys in the later rounds in the hopes that either an injury happens before the season starts or there's 
someone that is ineffective earlier in the year and they make a closer change because we still have a lot of wide open spots and we'll be talking about those as we go further into February and March and trying to figure out, okay, who are the guys to target late? But I just think that you just can't make that investment so early on in the draft. You know, one in the first 10 rounds I am fine with, but I don't want to take too early on because there's a good chance that one for sure doesn't pan out. And what if both don't pan out? Now you've wasted a lot of picks uh, in the first few rounds where you're trying to build the nucleus of your team, and it just really hurts you. So, again, what I like to look at here, and I think when you're reviewing these draft boards this early, you're obviously trying to gauge the market, seeing where players are going and getting an idea. Okay, well, this guy's going in the sixth round. Oh, I like the price. Oh, this guy's going in the 10th round. Mm, A little bit early for him. But you also want to look and see how people build their teams. It's all about team construction. And... That's where I think a lot of people fail. So there are a couple teams in here that I thought really did a good job of team construction and others just basically just picking a bunch of players and putting them on a team. And that's not the way you do it. You're going to wind up losing that way. And I don't want you guys to lose. I want you guys to win. So we're going to talk about some of those teams. Uh, Steve Gardner will come on tomorrow to talk about his team. I like what he did in terms of the way he built his team in in baking in some of the chances he took later on so we'll break that down with him but when we return coming up we'll be joined by vlad settler he's one of the top high stakes players around he plays in a lot of high dollar leagues he's also with fantasy guru and he was a participant in the fsfs fsta fantasy baseball draft he partnered with charlie Weger, representing cdm sports he took trey turner seven overall was that his top choice was it a tough call we'll talk with vlad next right here scout fantasy sports on the fantasy sports radio network